Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't we go straight to prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you again for this time that we have with you, O Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray that Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there today, O Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Open their eyes that they may see, open their ears that they may hear, and open their hearts that they may understand your words today. We praise you, Heavenly Father. Glorify thy name. And I give this time and this space entirely over to you, O Lord God. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen, and amen. Praise God. Again, welcome to Genesis 1. Pastor Mike here. And I just want to start off by asking you, how many of you remember that old hymn, Amazing Grace? Okay, and I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. But the, the lyrics there are, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was blind, but now I see. Okay? And with that, then also I want to go now to Second Corinthians 4, verse number 1. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 1. Now's a good time to say, if you don't have your Bible, why don't you hit pause and we're going to get that Bible and maybe a marker, a pen or a pencil and maybe a piece of paper and take some notes, mark up your Bible as we cover these scriptures. Uh, these words can come back to you to benefit you as Holy Spirit brings them back to remembrance for you uh, in a time of need or in a time of difficulty. So uh, participate with us and just mark up your Bible. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Okay. Second Corinthians four, verse number one. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we faint not but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to those who are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Please underline that. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Okay? So the opposite scripture there is verse number four. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Today, I want to talk about blindness. Jesus talked a lot about eyesight in scriptures. Throughout Jesus' ministry, uh, spiritual blindness is highlighted as a constant problem for the people that were around him. We rarely talk about this today. We don't talk much about spiritual blindness at all. You rarely hear it even mentioned. Spiritual blindness is an inability to see the things of the Holy Spirit. Jesus frequently healed the blind as a testimony to his divinity. Jesus fulfills this prophecy of Isaiah 35, 5, that says the eyes of the blind will be opened. The opening of blind eyes, however, is often met with disbelief or even sometimes ridicule. As the blind are made to see, many times those who see refuse to accept Jesus' words or actions. This is spiritual blindness. That's what I want to talk about today, spiritual blindness. Whenever someone is unable to see and recognize the activity of God, through the words or work of Jesus and Holy Spirit, they are considered to be spiritually blind. Importantly, spiritual blindness is also a condition that affects the quote-unquote religious. Okay, I repeat that again. 
Spiritual blindness is also a condition that afflicts the quote unquote religious. Jesus' harshest criticisms regarding spiritual blindness are leveled at the Pharisees and the scribes, who's, who has made up the religious elite of the day. Sorry. Jesus mostly came at them with the spiritual blindness thing because they made up the so-called religious elite, elite, sorry, religious elite of his day. They were the ones that walked around and held themselves in such high esteem, held themselves in such high esteem. Okay, so they were indeed many times were the subject of, of Jesus' complaint against them. It was those who believe that they have mastered the way of God that often find themselves dumbfounded by Jesus' ministry. Jesus never charges an ordinary, quote unquote, an ordinary person with spiritual blindness. Those that were broken and hurting, they do not suffer from this condition. Those that are in, in dire straits, in much need, do not suffer from this condition of our spiritual blindness. Jesus was saying that it was the, quote unquote, the religious elite of his day, the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, that was suffering from this blindness. John's account of the healing of the man born blind is a wonderful depiction of spiritual blindness. So why don't we go to John 9, verse number 1. John 9, verse number 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So Jesus telling him, he, parents did nothing wrong, he did nothing wrong. But through this blindness that he was born with, God is going to be glorified. I must work the works of him that sent me, meaning his father, while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, go wash in the pool at Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Okay. Now picture that. Jesus spat on the ground, took the mud, put it on his eyes, and then told him to go and wash in his pool. And as a result of that, the man was able to see. Verse number eight. The neighbors, therefore, and they which were uh, which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. But he said, But he said, the blind man, he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, How are your eyes open? They're curious now. How are your eyes opened? He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said unto me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I washed and I received sight. I went and I washed and I received sight. Then said they unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. Okay? Now, interesting thing here I want to show you too. The blind man, Jesus put mud on his eyes, spat on the ground, put mud on his eyes, and then told him to go wash. Some people would have said, well, gee whiz, I've been blind for all of my life. How is putting mud on my eyes and telling me to go wash, you know, how is that going to bring back my sight? But again, he was obedient to what Jesus told him to do. So this is another indication to us also that we must be obedient to what Jesus tells us to do. 
regardless of how silly it may seem, regardless of how unconnected what God is telling me to do with my current situation, where I cannot understand how me doing these little, you know, trivial things, how that's going to help me. We have to be obedient to God, regardless of whatever he's telling us to do. So he was obedient to this supposedly unrelated thing to his, his, his uh, sightlessness, put mud on my eyes and go wash. How is that going to heal me? Right? But he did what Jesus did and told him to do. And you see the results. Okay. Then they, verse 12 again. Then they said unto him, where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Underline that because it's important. It was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said unto them, he put clay upon mine eyes and I washed and I do see. Therefore, said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God. <laughs> Listen to this. This man is not of God because he keeps not the Sabbath day. All right. So right away, the problem is now because he healed this man on the Sabbath day, Jesus now is not of God. OK, because he healed on the Sabbath. Others said, how can I, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. Okay. So in other words, because he did the healing on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath day, therefore he was a sinner. So therefore, if he was a sinner because he healed on the Sabbath, how could he have healed the man? Doesn't make sense, but this is the argument. This is what they're saying. Okay. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. They say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him? He, he has opened thine eyes. He said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. Now here, Jesus did this miracle, healed this blind man, and the blind man is telling them what had happened, but they still couldn't believe it. So they said, okay, let's go ask his parents. Okay, his parents would know whether or not he was blind. Okay, and, and so they said of him, uh, they went to the parents and they said, um, Verse number 19, and they asked them, saying, is this your son who you say was born blind? How, done, how then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. Okay, this is our son and we know that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, go ask him, he shall speak for himself. These words spoke the parents because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Okay, so here now the parents now are running in fear of men. They're fearing to be put out of the synagogue. Okay, so rather than actually say or go along with what the son or agree with the son, what Jesus had done, they say, like, oh, I, we don't know. Ask our son. He, he's a grown man. Okay, but they said this out of fear. Do we, you know, in, in essence, they were denying the work that Jesus had done. So we have to be careful in our lives, you know, because sometimes we wind up denying Christ, you know, even though we don't directly say, well, I reject Jesus, I deny Jesus. But if you cannot support and speak loudly and boldly what Jesus did in your life or in someone, maybe someone's life that you know, because you are afraid of what people may say, you know, you know, then you are, you're in dire straits yourself. You know, you are, you are walking on dangerous ground. Okay. In this day and age, especially, you know, they do not want us to confess Jesus Christ at all. Let's more testify as to what miracle, miraculous things he has, he's done in our lives. Okay. But we cannot go through this life being afraid of what quote unquote, what man will do. If I confess that Jesus Christ saved my life, saved my job, saved my house or whatever wonderful thing he did in your life or someone's life that you know. 
See, but the parents feared the Jews. So they said, so you see what they say, go ask him. He shall speak for himself. Verse number 23 says, therefore said his parents, he's of age, ask him. Then again, um, then again, called they the man that was blind and said unto him, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. Okay. Give God the praise, but not him. Give God the praise, but not Jesus, because Jesus is a sinner. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that where, whereas I was blind, now I see. So now he's saying, I don't know whether you say Jesus was a sinner. I don't know whether he was a sinner or not. One thing I do know, what Jesus did to me, I was blind from the time that I was born, but now I see. And I cannot deny that. Okay. So he's saying, basically, I'm not getting into this political thing of yours. I'm not getting into this politics. All I know is that this man, Jesus, okay, he did this to me and now I'm healed. And now I'm healed. Can we be bold enough today not to get up and get it and caught up in the political thing that's going on today, you know, or going, in, you know, what is right today, what is considered to be right, getting into this woke discussion, as I've talked about before, where now it, 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 it is not, it is not, not stylish to confess Jesus out loud. Okay. Okay. It, it, you know, it's, it goes against the flow in many circles for us to even say that Jesus is Lord. Okay, but are we going to be bold enough not to get involved with that and just say simply, you say what you want to say. All I know, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. This is what Jesus did for me. You say what you want to say. Believe what you want. Just leave me alone. I know the truth. And the truth of the matter, matter, matter of fact is that Jesus is Lord. He's the son of the only living God. He's my Lord and Savior. So just get away from me. Keep your opinions to yourself. I don't want to hear it. This is what I know what Jesus did for me. And if you're listening to this message, I bet you dollars to donuts that there's something wonderful in your life that Jesus has done for you. I bet there's something wonderful. Okay. If you're struggling with something right now, confess Jesus Christ as Lord, as accept him as your Lord and Savior, ask him into your life. And if you're struggling with something right now, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Jesus can deliver you. He can deliver you. As surely as this man was blind and as surely as Jesus made him see, God can do wondrous things in your life. Jesus Christ, son of the living God, my Lord and Savior, can do wonderful things in your life. Okay. Then he goes on to say in verse 26, then he said to him again, what did he, did he, um, what did he to thee? How open he thine eyes? He answered him, I have told you already and you did not hear. Wherefore would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, thou art his disciples, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. Okay, so here they are hanging on the old law of Moses here now. You know, you know we hang on to what Moses said, but this fellow, meaning Jesus, we don't know who he is. Okay, we don't know who he is. They were calling him a sinner. Okay, they, they were really, really doubting him. Okay, he then he going to say, um, Verse 30, the man answered and said unto them, why herein is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is, and yet he has opened mine eyes. Now we know that God hears not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he hears. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? Again, verse number 32, since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? 
and they cast him out. They told the blind man, be gone, get away from us. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, dost thou believe on the son of God? This is Jesus speaking now. Dost thou believe on the son of God? He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, thou hast both seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. Okay. Thou hast both seen him, and it is he who, who talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I am coming to this world that they which see, that they which see, that they which see not might see that they would see not might see and that they would see might be made blind. Okay. So he's saying, I come into the world for those that, that do not see that are blind, that they will be able to see. And then those that see might be made blind. All right. Okay. Now, until you came to the Lord, you were blind, but now you see like that old song says, but I was blind, but now I see because your eyes have been opened. Verse number 40 says, and some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, are we blind also? Jesus said unto them, if you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. Therefore your sin remains. Okay. So now Jesus is really saying to them something very, very, very powerful here. Again, they witnessed a miracle. But because of the fact that Jesus, Jesus did this healing on the Sabbath for one thing, you, you know, you know, they just could they couldn't deal with that. They simply couldn't deal with that. Despite the evidence and logic, the Pharisees simply refused to accept the truth standing right there before them. First, they point to the fact that he healed on the Sabbath, which was against the Jewish law. Then they questioned the man's parents in verse 22 there to see if the man was truly born blind. Okay, they're going out of their way to 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 um, to disavow what Jesus did, the miracle that Jesus did. The insinuation here is that this healing is but a trick from a charlatan prophet. Okay, they wanted to Jesus to appear as, as, as a charlatan. He's a sinner. So therefore, how could he have healed? Finally, and he was a sinner because he healed on the Sabbath. <laughs> Do you think God would hesitate to heal you because it was Sunday? Do you think God would hesitate or Jesus today even would heal, heal you because it's on a Sunday or, or to bring you out of any other difficulty because it was on a Sunday? Okay. That's ridiculous. All right. Okay. God heals, God heals and God heals. It's as simple as that. You see, but because of that, they deemed him a sinner. So because he was a sinner and tried to heal, therefore he was a charlatan. Okay. Try to make him a charlatan prophet. Finally, the man himself is ridiculed and then he's insulted. They label him a sinner, undeserving of God's love and, and, uh, and healing. All right? They simply don't get it. It's as simple as that. They simply don't, do not get it. Again, what does spiritual blindness mean? Spiritual blindness is about being unable to recognize the power of God revealed in Jesus through Holy Spirit. Spiritual blindness. Physical blindness is an inability to physically see. Spiritual blindness, therefore, is an inability to see the things of the spirit. I'll say that again. Spiritual blindness is the inability to see the things of the spirit. Understanding what spiritual blindness is, how might we guard against our own blindness? I'm talking about this spiritual blindness, but now let's get bring it home so that we can personally understand this, stand that, and make sure that we don't get caught up in it. If spiritual blindness is a condition that afflicts the religious, quote unquote, how do we as Christians ensure that we do not fall into this trap? Okay. Okay. And I say religious. 
And what's the difference? You've heard me say many times, how can I be a Christian and be religious? Religions wind up following the, the, the ways of man, the ways that man has constructed, has built a construct that they call religion. And those religions fall into various categories. And I won't get all into all of that because that's a sermon unto itself even, okay? But Jesus didn't, didn't come about to establish a religion. What Jesus established was a way of life. Christianity is a way of life. Okay? It's not bound by the things that the Pharisees and the scribes were always, always seeking after. For us, us as Christians, it's very, very simple. We follow and we believe in Jesus. You know, we believe in the, in the triune God. We believe in the Trinity. We believe that once we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that Holy Spirit fills us, comes in us, and he guides us. He guides us on our day-to-day actions. Okay, this is not a religion. Okay, religions get caught up in so many, you know, so much religious doctrine and, and following intricate, you know, rites and rituals and things like that. Jesus did not come for that. He simply says, believe in me. Okay, believe that the Father, God the Father sent me. Believe that I am who I say I am. Okay, okay, believe the fact that once I went back to the Father, I made Holy Spirit available to all that believe in me. So therefore, if you are a believer and you're following Jesus Christ, then you have Holy Spirit. This is not religion. So spiritual blindness can affect those um, that are quote unquote religious. This is what I say. You know, but we as Christians, how do we ensure that we do not fall into this trap? How, how could we possibly become spiritually blind? Let's go to Matthew six nineteen. Matthew 6, 6, 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, this is Jesus speaking, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break in through to steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Okay. So in other words, we don't go through this earth, through this life of ours, laying up treasures, worrying about the only thing that I need to do is to build a big bank account. We don't worry about accumulating goods and things. We don't worry about accumulating how many houses can I have on each continent, how many boats or cars that I can have, how many things that I can have. Because then if you're doing that, if you're always working and striving towards doing that, then that's where you're laying up your treasures. Okay, You're basing your treasures here in earthly things. The bigger my bank account, the bigger the things that I own, the better off that I'll be. And they're saying here that because on earth, those things rust and corrupt. In other words, those things go away. Those things go away. How many cars have you had? I don't care how nice they are. Eventually, they break down. How many houses have we, do we, or do we have? I mean, even if it's one house, you know, and you got repairs, repairs, repairs that come up. It's a part of life because they do, they quote unquote, what the Bible is saying is they corrupt, they break down. Okay, in other words, they are not eternal. They're not eternal. So God is saying it. Jesus is saying it. Do not lay up your trust. Don't put all of, you, all of your, 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 your strength and your energies into accumulating those, those things here on earth. He says, button 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break in to steal. Okay? Things in heaven are, are incorruptible. They don't rust. They don't rot. They don't break down. They don't, they don't go away. I mean, these things are permanent. No man can break into steel. There's so much thievery today, so much theft going on today of material objects and things. This is not where your treasure should be. You have treasures in heaven, okay? okay? And laying up treasures in heaven means, you know, by building my relationship with God, relationship with Jesus, relationship with Holy Spirit. 
You know, this is where I put my energy. Okay. Okay. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart be also. All right. So in other words, if, if you're building up a treasure here on earth, that's where your heart is. That's what you really care about. The things, the material things, if that's all you focus on, that's where your heart is. You focus on the things of God, the things of heaven. This is where we build our treasure. This is where our heart is. Right? So he's telling them, he's telling them that right there. And this is also, this is, this is an insight into being spiritually uh, uh, sighted, if you will, and not being spiritually blind. Because you're spiritually blind if you start thinking that everything here on earth is all that matters. What you can accumulate here on earth is what counts. That's being spiritually blind. Okay? Right? Right? So don't let that be where your heart is. Amen. He goes on to say in verse number 22, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? How great is that darkness? Now I'm going to read this. I I just read that from King James uh, Version. I'm going to read it from the NIV, New International Version. It's a little clearer. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of life. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Amen. How great is that darkness? Now, what is that saying? Healthy eyes means eyes that are spiritually open. Okay. Healthy eyes means eyes that are spiritually open, which brings fullness and victory into our lives. Unhealthy eyes means eyes that are spiritually closed or blind, okay, or blind, which leads us to be to a life filled with failure and defeat because we can't see the things of God intended for our lives, okay. All right. So if our eyes are open, if our eyes are healthy, that means that our eyes are open, and therefore we can have victories in our lives. We can experience healing. We can experience experience financial success. We can experience 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 all the great things that God wants for us. However, if our eyes are unhealthy or if we are blind, that means we're going to have a difficult time in this life because we won't even be able to realize and understand the things of God. God could be putting something right in front of your face, which will be a blessing to you, and you won't even recognize it because you could be spiritually blind, because your spiritual eyes are not open. Spiritual blindness is an internal condition. It occurs when we focus our attention upon our own pride, desire, or limited understanding. This is exactly what the Pharisees exhibited. Their prideful assumption that they were experts in the things of God made Jesus unacceptable to them. Okay. They felt that they were, they were such experts. You know, okay. Paul, the apostle Paul, when he was Saul, even suffered from that, remember? I mean, he was a learned man. He was a learned man. I mean, he knew in his mind, he knew all about God, all about scriptures and things like that. And what did he go about doing? He went about uh, persecuting Jesus Christ's followers. He persecuted Christians. Okay. He had a letter, you know, that it would, would send him forth. It gave him the ability to go forth and, and interrogate and, and imprison Christians. That was his, his mission in life. At that time, he was spiritually blind. Okay. But his eyes were, were physically open and spiritually open. Remember, Jesus Christ appeared to him on the road there, okay? And he was stricken blind. And he told him to go travel in, traveled and to, uh, to meet with this, uh, this fellow. He was Ananias. And they uh, laid hands on him, and his eyes were spiritually opened. And then he became, wow, Apostle Paul became one of the, one of the, 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 the uh, champions in the uh, New Testament writings. Okay? Apostle Paul did. Right? But he was spiritually blind. His eyes were opened. 
You see, so if we don't understand what God is saying and we're not seeing it, it could be right there in front of you, and you you would not, you know. And you can't be thinking that you're an expert the way the way the Pharisees did. Jesus often called people uh, people away from the blind uh, blind execution of religious rules. The Pharisees could not accept Jesus. All they did they were so big on on, on executing religious rules. They followed the book when it came down to things that, quote unquote, religion called them to do in their minds and their minds. They were experts. They believed God only worked in the context of their limited understanding. OK, OK. What they thought of God and what they understood of God, they that was the only way that, that, that God could work, because this is what they thought God would do and should do. So that's the only way that God could work. Let's go to Matthew twenty three fifteen. Matthew 23, 23, verse number 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Underline that word, hypocrites, please. Hypocrites. For you compass sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. They're going to highlight that verse there. Okay, he says you 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 go around the whole land trying to 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 convert someone, make one proselyte. In other words, take someone and convert them, convert them to religion. Okay, and then when you do that, when he is made, then you make that person twice the child of hell than yourselves. Okay, so what good is that? What are they serving? You got to be careful about people that are, are proselytizing out there. Make sure first of all. Whom they are proselytizing for? Is it the true and the living God? Or is it some version of God according to what they think God is? Because then they wind up making you, if you follow that, you make they wind up making you just as bad as themselves. Or in this particular case, he said you make them twofold the child of hell than yourselves. Okay? So that's what they were doing. And Jesus is saying that, woe, you hypocrites. Verse number 16, woe unto you, you blind guides. On the line that blind guides, woe unto you, you blind guides, which say, whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. You fools and blind, there's the word blind again. For whether is greater, which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon the altar, he is guilty. You fools and blind. He's telling them again, you fools and blind. For which is greater, the, the gift or the altar which sanctifies the gift? Okay, you see, 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 they're always holding the wrong things to be important. And he's saying that because you do, then you're blind. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all the things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwells therein. And he that shall do, shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sits thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, there it is again, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought you to have done, and not to leave the other undone, all right? So he's saying you spend all your time, you, you, you do all this tithing and stuff. Like that. And again, why do the, why are these people tithing? Remember the other scripture said about how they go through the, tree, the streets praying out loud and doing this and doing that, saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. Okay. But the important things that you should be doing pertaining to, 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 to judgment and mercy and faith, these things you ought to be doing, but you leave them undone. Okay. Hypocrites, hypocrites. You see, again, they are so spiritually blind. 
All right. He goes on to say again, verse 24, you blind guides. Jesus is saying, you blind guides, you blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. All right? You worry about the outside of the cup and platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. You blind Pharisees, clean first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. This starts, I mean, this, this, is, this is us. Clean up your inside. In other words, clean up your life with God. Make sure that is right. Then the outside of you will shine. The glory of God will shine through you. But you can't walk around just scrubbing the outside and walk around looking, you know, saying, look, 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 look how pious I am. Look how religious I am. Look how great I am. But deep inside, you're doing all the wrong things that God wants you to do. Or you're not doing the things that God would want you to do. Okay? That's how many people live their lives. You know, they live by, by, by external perception. What you see me doing in the street. What you see me doing at work, maybe. But deep inside, deep inside, how much time are we spending with God? How much time are we in deep prayer? Okay, Clean up that which is on the inside first before you can go out there talking to others about, look at me, look at me, look at me, look what God has done. Okay? Right. Woe with you, scribes and Pharisees, you are like, you are, are like um, unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Okay, so in other words, he's saying a sepulchre is a casket, basically. Okay, you got this beautiful casket. You say, oh my, what a lovely casket. Beautiful, you know, um, uh, um, uh, brass rails on it, rich wood mahogany. And, oh, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. You open the thing and what's in it? Dead bones. Dead bones. Again, it's the exterior. You know, again, it says there, woe with you, scribes, hypocrite. You are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous to men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. But within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And what did he say here continually? You blind, you blind, you blind. This is spiritual blindness. On the outside, they appear to be wonderful, but deep inside, this is, he said, there's nothing but full of hypocrisy and iniquity. We Christians, we children of God, we have to make sure that we are not inside full of hypocrisy and, and, uh, and iniquity. We have to make sure that our lives are, 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 are the way God wants them to be. We're living in line with God's words. Okay, The outside doesn't cut it with God. Okay, You can walk throughout life, walk throughout your job, your neighborhood, and so forth like that, being known by your family members. You know, you're always spouting scripture and so forth like that. But deep inside, what's really going on deep within you? Okay, This is where spiritual blindness comes in. Can we be spiritually blind and still be a Christian? All right. So because of this pride, Jesus calls them blind guides. Their hearts were not, were not more were set more on following the rules of the temple than on observing a heartfelt devotion to God. That's what he was talking about. Verse 23 there says, Jesus criticized them for giving a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, cumin, but neglecting the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. The Pharisees frequently had their eyes set upon the praises of others, virtue signaling. The Pharisees frequently had their eyes set upon the praises of others rather than on truly walking the way of holiness and righteousness. 
their life and faith serve their own glorification. Okay, and that's a few weeks back that the, the, the message was on on virtue signaling. We see so much of that today. People do things to say, "Look at me." People go along with certain things today because, "Look at me! Look how wonderful I am! Look, at, I'm so sympathetic to this cause. I'm so sympathetic to this reasoning. I agree with this. I will go go along with this. Look at me! Look at me! Look at me!" Even if those initiatives, even if those ways of life that are so prevalent and so popular today are counter to God's word, but people go along with it because it's virtue signaling, saying, "Look at me! Look how great I am!" Okay, it's for their own glorification. But is that what God would have you to do? Are you doing what God would want you to do? Don't be like a, 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 a sepulcher where outside you look wonderful and beautiful, but deep down inside there's nothing but iniquity and, and two-facedness two that's going on, hypocrisy. Okay. It's more important that we do what God wants us to do, not what those around us to do, want to say and do. There are things going on today that counter directly what the word of God says relative to, to men and women, relative to male and female. Heard someone say, don't you believe that instead of just having two, two sexes, that there's a spectrum of sexes, that there can be more than one. There's a, a spectrum. And now they're trying to say that science is saying that there's a spectrum. I don't care how many scientists get together and sign off on some document saying that there's more than two sexes, there's more than male and female. I don't care how many of your most most learned, quote unquote, learned men try to say that in science and documents saying that there are more, there's more than male and female. That is not the truth. It is not the truth with a capital T. It's counter to the word of God. And I don't care what anyone says about it. If you are a child of God, then you need to stand strong on that and say, no, there's only two sexes, male and female. And that's at the chromosomal level, at, at the, the genetic level. That is what determines the sex. I don't care what you dress up as. I don't care what you feel you are. That's counter to the word of God. Yet so they're trying to say now that science is saying, I don't care if they publish a whole dictionary and, and encyclopedias and other scientific papers that say that's a spectrum of sexes. That is not true. God's word talks about male and female. Period. End of discussion. So we can't go on with this hypocrisy. We cannot let ourselves be spiritually blind because that is the epitome of spiritual blindness. If you get into that and there's so much of that going on. So don't get into this virtue sitting and say, look at me, look at me. This is what Jesus said the Pharisees were doing. The Pharisees frequently had their eyes set upon the praises of others rather than on truly walking the way of holiness and righteousness. Amen. This could happen to us too, to believers also. This can happen to believers also. Whenever we believe that we have discovered and totally understand the depths of God, we act in spiritual blindness. Whenever we get to the point in our Christian walk because we've read so much and we've studied so much that we, we totally understand God and we've discovered God, the depths of God. Once we get to that point and we've reached this plateau of understanding, then you are reaching spiritual blindness. You're acting in spiritual blindness. Such an attitude does not embody the grace of Jesus because it does not take into consideration that Jesus can and may do something totally, totally unexpected in our lives. The minute you start thinking that you know God, you know Jesus, you know Holy Spirit so much, I have the epitome of understanding now. I am totally and fully enlightened that what you're saying is that Jesus cannot do anything new in your life. And this is where you are really walking in spiritual blindness. Amen. God is sovereign. He can do 
anything that he full well pleases. Okay. And so don't think that your situation is so impossible because if you're a believer, then just believe that and know, don't be so spiritual blind that you think God can't, God can't, God can't, because I know how he works. Okay. Oh no. Oh no. With God in your life, you can expect the unexpected. You can expect the unexpected blessings. You can expect the unexpected miracle. Okay. Okay. All right. We can't let ourselves go there. Such an attitude does not embody the grace of Jesus. God's ways and thoughts are always beyond our own. The scriptures said that God's ways and thoughts are always beyond our own. We always have something to learn and we can always use more victories in our lives. We can't, can't you use another victory in your life or are you chock full of victories you don't want anymore? Are things so wonderful in your life? Okay, Lord, you can stop now. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I got it from here. I got it from here. Then you're walking in spiritual blindness. Okay, because then you're saying that you know all that there is to know about God. And basically, that's where the Pharisees were coming from. That's where they were coming from. Once we start thinking we have no more to learn, we are becoming spiritually blind. So how do we break free from spiritual blindness now that we've said all of this? Being that spiritual blindness can also afflict the faithful. How might we ensure that we keep ourselves from this condition? How can we break free from spiritual blindness if it does occur in our lives? The answer is relatively simple. We look to Jesus. We look to Jesus. Looking to Jesus is the only antidote to spiritual blindness. The only antidote to spiritual blindness. Prior to healing the man that was born blind, Jesus famously declared, I am the light of the world. Let's go to John 8, verse 12. John 8, verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Okay, there again, spiritual blindness. Thy record is not true. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whither I go. But you cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. You judge the flesh. I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bears witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. So there's the two. (laughs) Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Spiritual blindness. Again, they still don't get it. They still don't get it. Where is thy father? Jesus answered, You neither know me nor my father. Spiritual blindness. Neither know me nor my father. And these are the Pharisees now. These are the Pharisees, the learned men of the time, of the day. They don't know Jesus, know the Father, even though they've been doing what they do as Pharisees for many, 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 many years in some cases. Okay. Yes, so they know, don't, don't, don't see and understand a simple truth. You neither know me nor my Father. If you had known me, you should have also known my Father. These words, <clears throat> these words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him for his hour was not yet come. No, there wasn't time for his crucifixion. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way and you shall seek me. And shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. Then the Jews said, will he kill himself? (laughs) 
spiritually blind again. They don't have the faintest idea what Jesus is talking about. He says, he, he says, he says um, I, I go my way and you shall seek me and you shall die in your sins. Whither I go, you cannot come. They don't understand what Jesus is saying. The way you're behaving, Jesus is saying, you know, you, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it to where I'm going. Okay. He said, then he said, will he kill himself? Because he says, whither I go, you cannot come. Verse 23 says, and he said unto them, them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Okay. Okay. As a born again believer. Okay. All right. You may be in this world, but you're not of this world. You're a born again believer. You're a citizen of heavenly places of God's heaven. Okay. Where Jesus went, this is where we shall go. Okay. All right. You, you, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. 24. I said, therefore, unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. If you don't wake up. You don't believe. You remain spiritually blind. You're going to die in your sins. Okay. And we as Christians need to be careful, too, that we make sure that we wake up and don't let ourselves become spiritually blind. Okay. Yeah. Then said they unto him, who art thou? Spiritually blind. Jesus saith unto them, even the same, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak and I speak and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not. Spiritually blind. 27. They understood not that he spoke of them of the father. Then said Jesus unto them, when you have lifted up the son of man, then shall you know that I am he. And that I do nothing of myself, but as my father has taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The father has not left me, for I do always those things that please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Underline that verse 32. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Okay? Open your eyes. You shall know the truth, and you shall see. And being able to see, being spiritually sighted, will indeed make you free. And if you're made free, that means that the things that's going on in this world, saint of God, the things that are going on in this world are not going to bog you down. They're not going to put you in bond. It's not going to have you worrying. They're not going to have you fearful. You're not going to be fearful of the economy, of any kind of recession or what's going on with Russia or anyone else that's in anything else in the world. The truth shall make you free. Okay? Okay? Now, it'll be free from worry. You do not have to worry about these things. God is in control, regardless of what is going on around us. Regardless, regardless of what is happening in your community, in your neighborhood, in your state, in your province, in your country, regardless of what is going on, God is in charge. All right? And as I said a million times before, this planet is not going any place. We don't have simply 12 more years to live because the climate is going to do this and the climate. God is in charge of this planet. Okay, whatever happens with the climate, as I've said before, I'm not getting into a climate change or a climate discussion and whatnot, whether or not the climate is changing or not. What I, what I, what I argue against is, is that as a child of God, the fear and the worry that is being sown out there to people that we're all of a sudden, we're just going to die on this planet 12 years time or whatever they're saying these days. God is in charge and we as Christians shouldn't be worrying about that. 
Should we be good students of the planet? Yes, we should. It's the best that we can. But as far as worrying about whether or not this planet is going to dry up or whether we're all going to suffocate on this planet or whatever, you know, the climate people, the, the cult of the climate, I call it, the climate cult is saying, no, 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 I'm a child of God. I trust in God. I trust in God. Okay. The truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So don't be spiritually blind considering many things that are being taught and, and discussed today. We're children of God, and we do not get ourselves all worked up about that. Having spiritual sight is, 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 uh, is not about the, the uh, wealth of religious knowledge or scripture memorization or an understanding of intricate religious rituals or rules. Okay, that is not what, you know, spiritual sight is not about the, the religious knowledge. Okay. Having true, authentic spiritual sight is about seeing uh, and receiving Jesus. Anything within ourselves or within our own religious or spiritual identity that gets in the way of receiving Jesus eventually moves us to spiritual blindness. Okay? Can't let anything get in the way of that because then it leads us to spiritual blindness because then we can't see and hear and understand what Jesus is saying, what Holy Spirit is leading us to do. Amen? We are called to be like Paul who declared, I resolve to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2. One Corinthians chapter two, verse number one. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, all I wanted to know was Jesus Christ and, and Jesus crucified. That's all he wanted to care and to know about. I didn't come with, with all these fancy words of wisdom. All I wanted to know, to know was about Jesus. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Okay, my speaking was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Okay, this is what I say to you today. Your faith should not stand in the wisdom or the power of men, but in the power of God. Okay. God is over this government. God is over your government, whatever country that you're in. God is over the atheist, even though the atheist refuses to acknowledge that he's God and that he exists. God is still over him. Okay. God is God of all, of everything. Okay. And that's where we should be holding our faith, not in the wisdom of men. Okay. We do what God is telling us to do. We believe what God is telling us to do and to believe and have faith in him and in him alone, in him alone. I know it's easy to say, but it's, it's harder to do. Too often the root of spiritual blindness, again, I say to you, is pride. That pride, it, it keeps, us, keeps us from the necessary disciplines of humility and trust. Yet the call of faith is to believe in the guiding power of Holy Spirit and the healing power of Lord Jesus. Not in ourselves. Nothing that I can do will, can save my life. Only Jesus Christ can save my life. Nothing that you can do can save your life. Only Jesus can save your life. We have to stubbornly look to him. In other words, without compromise, we have to stubbornly look to Jesus, even in those moments where we can't understand what God is doing or where he is taking us. We still hang on to the fact that he is Lord. Stubbornly hold on to that fact. 
as we intentionally place Jesus at the center of our lives, the Spirit will lead us to deeper experiences of victory in our lives. This necessity of prayer, ultimately the only way, true way for us to uh, ensure our spiritual sightedness is to continually pray for a clearer vision of Jesus Christ in our lives. We never arrive in a place in our lives where we can think we are safe from the dangers of spiritual blindness. Don't get, don't get too comfort thinking that you're safe, you're immune. Sometimes we think that spiritual blindness is not a problem for us. That may be a good indication that it's closer than you think. So I think spiritual blindness is, oh, no way, no way. That could be closer than you think, because then you start thinking, oh, I can relax. I can relax and sit back on my laurels. Now there's nothing else I need to do. I don't need to pursue the word of God. I don't need to pursue Holy Spirit, pray and communicate with God. That's when you start getting into trouble. We ought to cast our eyes upon the Lord faithfully and diligently in raw and in unhindered honesty. We ought to pray that his will be done in our lives and not our own. Not my will, Lord, but your, your will. We have to radically accept his vision of who we are and who we are called to be. Undoubtedly, this is an act of faith and one that requires a constant lifting of ourselves before the Lord. Constantly, constantly. Warding off spiritual blindness involves the willful laying down of our own pride and thinking that we already know all that is to be known. That's a very, very, very dangerous place to be, that you know all. And I have met people like that over my life. I mean, I have met people. You know, I've seen them surface in Bible study class and so forth, where they'll come up with some things that will try to refute what the Scripture is saying. I've seen it so many times. And people actually, Christians, quote-unquote, get bent out of shape when you try and tell them, this is what the Word of God says. I'm sorry, that's what you may think, but this is what the Word of God says. There's only one truth in this world, and we need to remember that, especially in this day and age. One truth, I always say with a capital T, there's one truth. I heard this expression now. Oh, thank you for sharing your truth. Thank you for telling us your truth. No such thing as your truth. There is truth. And it's because of the fact that we have so many truths out there today. That's why there's a problem in this society, because there are so many truths out there today. Man's truths, man's manufactured truth. There's one truth with a capital T, and that's God. Amen. Warding off spiritual blindness involves the willful laying down of our own pride. Have to remember that. What would it look like for you to pray for a deeper vision of Jesus in your life? What would that be like? Just as Moses asked to see a vision of God's glory and just as the psalmist exclaims, your face, Lord, will I seek, Psalm 27, 8. And just as Paul prays that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened, Ephesians 1, 18. So too, so too can we ask for a deeper vision of Christ's presence. You can ask for that. Lord, I want to see your face. It is when we seek the face of Jesus that we can be assured of true spiritual sightedness. As we look to him, Jesus fills our vision and lightens our way. Guard against spiritual blindness. It is critically important to us as believers, especially today, especially today. Praise God. Hope this message was a blessing to you. Amen. Pray pray it was a blessing. Blessing. And now we can, uh, we can be reached at www.genesis1.sermon.net. And if you look at the top of the page, you'll see a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be notified automatically when these messages are made available. Uh, we're on YouTube, Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Uh, we still have our apps, okay, for Apple and uh, Android devices. They can be found at the Play Stores for those devices. All free of charge, download them free of charge. All of these sermons are, are, are downloadable, also free of charge. You can download the uh, video version or you can download the audio-only portion of these messages, okay? So go there and uh, click on them. 
when you're in the car or listen to the audio portion, obviously, when you're in the car or share them with anyone else that the Lord puts on your heart to share them with. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I hope the message was a blessing. Pass it on. Help us to spread the word of God around this world. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God. And I pray that as we go into the balance of the day and the week ahead of us until next time, Lord, we shall remember these words and let us always guard against spiritual blindness, O Lord God. We pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit will always minister to us, that we will be open, O Lord God, to you and to you alone, that we will quickly shut down and shut out the words of the enemy that will try to come our way, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. We praise your Heavenly Father. We glorify thy name in the matchless name of Jesus. And all together, the church said, Amen. Praise God. Go forth and be blessed. And remember always that Jesus is Lord.